0: Welcome you back this evening. I appreciate you being here on Sunday nights. We are going on a journey with John as we look at the account of Jesus' life from his perspective from the disciple whom Jesus loved and hopefully we're learning a little bit different perspective on the gospel accounts as we go through. About four years ago, if you are into movies, you probably heard of a movie come out called Twelve Years a Slave. That movie I didn't watch. I did read the book. And it is a fascinating story about a man who lived in 1841. He was a free man. His name was Solomon Northrop. He was very educated. He was a musician, very talented. And through a series of events, uh, p- pertaining to his music, he would would hire himself out for contract and play different different places, and got involved with a couple of uh, basically uh, slave traders that he didn't wasn't aware of them, uh, what they were actually doing, uh, and uh, they under a ruse were able to kidnap him. And it's the very uh, heart wrenching story of a man who is free, uh, legitimately, legally, uh, in every sort of way, and yet. He was forced to be a slave for 12 years. The story comes from a book that was written in 1841, uh, seemingly uh, by every measure that they can find uh, by Solomon's own hand. But the story had been lost for a long time and uh, it was just happened to be a, a little girl visiting her grandmother who found the book in her library and it had been given to her from someone, hadn't been read, and but because of the little girl's discovery, uh, the book became uh, very popular and, and was put back into publication, and eventually became a uh, the movie. And uh, so it's quite a story. As I read the book, what fascinated me was to think about how a man who understood who he was and understood that he was free could be made into a slave. Uh he was smart, intelligent, educated as I said. But one of the very first things that they did after they uh basically uh, drugged him and when he found himself uh, awake, the the people who were in charge of him and taking him to the slave traders uh beat him ruthlessly. And they kept asking him again and again, what is your name? And he was very persistent. He said, my name is Solomon Northrup. And he did that several times. And every time they would beat him harder until finally uh, he did not respond at all. And then they said, your name is Platt. And that was his slave name. That was what he was called for 12 years. It's interesting that a, a man who was free could become a slave. And it seems like the way that they did that, Was to break his spirit and to make him not forget, but at least stop proclaiming who he was. That story, as interesting as it is, parallels a little bit in part with what we're talking about tonight. Turn to John chapter 8, and Jesus is having a conversation uh, with people who are enslaved and yet they believe they are free Uh, for much the same reasons because they forget who they are and they forget uh where they've been uh, where they've come from and they really have forgotten their identity. We're going to be in John chapter 8 verse 31 if you'd like to follow along. I'll start by reading verses 31 to 38. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, "If you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth Will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, and yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your Father. And we'll jump back into the, the story in just a minute. But he starts out by saying... Um, that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And as we think about this, not just this conversation and their application toward the Jews he was talking about, but also toward us, we've got to remember that at one time, we too were slaves. Slaves, uh, not physically, but uh, slaves to sin, slaves in our minds, slaves to uh, everything that God does not desire for us. You wonder how we get there. Different people are enslaved to different things. It's hard to be free from chains that you love or chains that you're used to. Now, I'll use a simple example, and please don't focus so much on this particular example. I'd use it just to illustrate. On occasion, we'll talk in uh, in stewardship and talking about God's ways of handling money, about what the Bible has to say about debt. And the Bible doesn't have anything good to say about debt, uh, period. It's just never put in a a good light at all. Uh, Proverbs 22.7 says that the borrower is slave to the lender. And inevitably, when I talk about that or preach about that, uh, I, I always get a few, you know, conversations or people or whatever. Yeah, but I airline miles. Yeah, but hotels and yada, yada, yada. and um, I don't I'm not belligerent, but I just, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking it's it's hard to be free from the chains that you love. It's hard to be free from chains that you get used to, that you're comfortable with. In Solomon Northrop's story, this was the battle for 12 years. In his own mind, he had to do his best to remember who he was. That he was a free man, that he was his Solomon Northrup, he was not Platt. And yet every single master that he was given to would remind him again and again that he was no longer free, but he was a slave. The challenge for him, the challenge for us who are enslaved to sin is to keep fighting against it, to not get used to it, to not get comfortable, to not get okay with it. Now, I picked debt as a as an example, but you pick your chains. What are the chains that you've gotten comfortable with, that you've gotten used to, that you've gotten to a point where you defend? Be careful of that. Slaves can be forgetful. They say in this passage... We're Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. I'm fairly sure I know a Sunday night crowd could argue that point. I'm pretty sure my six-year-old daughter could argue that point. Anyone with just a basic understanding of the history of the Jewish people would understand that that is not true. They were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves to Assyria. They were slaves in Babylon. Uh, They were slaves to worshiping other gods and falling away into idolatry and maybe they're just blind to their current situation uh, to the Roman occupation where it was law that if a Roman centurion desired for you to come along and carry his whatever burden or pack or uh, cart he was carrying if he needed help with that he could force you to go with him a mile that wasn't because they were free it was because their captors had allowed them a certain amount of freedom we must never forget who we are and we must never forget our identity the spiritual slavery is the worst kind of slavery and it's probably the most elusive to to see it's far more oppressive and pervasive than any other kind second peter 2:19 says Peter wrote, "A man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And to be careful about the things that we let master us, because uh, in time they can ruin us if our if our master is not the Lord Christ. Jesus is addressing sin as the as the slaves that they are slavery, slaves to, not just being in Roman occupation." He says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. I I know we're in John, but if you'll humor me and jump to Romans chapter 6 for just a minute. Romans chapter 6, and for that matter, Romans chapter 7, Paul deals a great deal with this topic. Starting in verse 16, he says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to whom to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have become I'm sorry. You have been set free from sin. And have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness. So now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We were all at one time slaves. Paul says, we have a choice to which side we're going to be enslaved to who we're going to allow to be to, to master us. Uh, let's continue in John now, chapter 8, verse 31. Here's what Jesus, I'm sorry. Uh, and see. A, we're going to be in uh, verse 39. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. All right, we'll stop there. Uh, When we think about slavery... What Jesus will get to uh, is that it is the Son who sets us free. It's the Son who can is the only one who can uh, help us escape and be free from slavery to sin and unrighteousness. In physical slavery, there are there are multiple ways that that can change. Um, Uh, In the story of Solomon Northrup, he eventually was able to uh, communicate, get communication back to his family, and they were able to rescue him. I'm sorry to to ruin the book for you, but, um, you know, it's been out seven years, so you should have read it by now. Uh, He was able to get back by way of escape. Some slaves were freed because the laws were changed, and they were given their freedom as a result of a law change. Some were rescued in other other ways, and there are still some fantastically beautiful cases of masters who actually purchased their slaves' freedom and set them free. But that's just in terms of physical slavery, but in terms of spiritual slavery, there's only one way to be free from the bondage of sin. Only one. The only way that freedom comes is through the Son, he is the one who sets us free. He is the, the, the source of all truth. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When we abide in his word, uh, that word, which is so powerful, shows us several things. First, it, it makes no bones about the reality of our slavery and our uh, precarious condition. Second, it leads us to the only solution. There are people who spend years in, in slavery of sin trying to get out by themselves, trying to just work harder and be better and think right and do right and, you know, stack enough good things in their, in their pile that they think, well, now I'm free. And the scriptures are very clear that there's only one way to freedom. He frees us not only from sin itself, but from the power of sin, the guilt and the burden of it. And he helps us keep to going back into slavery. We always, that's something we always have to be aware of as we go along in our walk, that we should live as free people. Uh, but it's very easy to allow yourself to be enslaved again because sin is so powerful. We have to uh, pay attention to our walk. So, when he says in verse 36, If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I want you to think about this. That's not just freedom for you, but maybe that should give you a deeper perspective on sharing your faith, on talking about the the old, old story with other people. Because you're not having to sell them on anything. You're not having to convince them to twist their arm. What you're doing, if you think about it as Jesus speaks of it, is offering people who are enslaved Freedom. The challenge, of course, is to help them understand their slavery, to help them understand their bondage, to help them understand that they're captive to certain things, and if they want, Jesus can set them free. Maybe that, for us, would help us understand that bringing a soul to Christ is bringing them not just to Christ, but bringing them the deepest, truest, and best kind of freedom. Continuing on, in uh, about first, I think we left in 40, 41, you are doing the things your fa- your own father's do- does. We are not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them. If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Which is my my language is not clear to you, because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, and not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear, and this is this is harsh, is that you do not belong to God. Jesus is very straightforward with them. If there's a reason that when I say who I am that you don't believe me, See, I'm speaking the truth, and you speak a different language. Um, uh, Abby Griffith is doing a little uh, gathering for any of the moms and kids who want to learn Spanish, and so my children are learning Spanish. Uh, we be um, <laughs> in. I don't know very much Spanish, um, and the part I do know won't get me very far, but. Uh, each time they're learning different building blocks of the language so they can kind of learn some basic linguistic Spanish, which is cool. But it's a challenge whenever you have someone who speaks it and someone who do- doesn't understand. There's a miscommunication, and that's kind of what's happening here. Jesus is speaking the truth, and and he's truthful in the fact that they speak a different language than he does. And that language is of their father, not Abraham, but their father, the devil. The son, and this is one of the most beautiful things in addition to giving us freedom, and he alludes to it earlier when he says the truth will set you free. The son speaks the truth. I'm not sure there's anything more beautiful and powerful than the simple truth. It's beautiful and powerful, and yet it's pretty unpopular in today's world. But if we can be honest, it was pretty unpopular back in Jesus' world, too. So the challenge is to, to seek the truth, as Proverbs admonishes us, to seek the truth not just in the Word, but the, the living truth of Jesus Christ. They claim Abraham is their father, and children bear resemblance to their father. So Jesus simply does a paternity test, and he says... Uh, listen, if you were really abraham 's children, you would do what Abraham did. Um, you would be as he was. This is what James says of, of, of Abraham in James 221, if you want to follow. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that what is faith and his actions, uh, that his faith and his actions were working together? And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. Jesus, in a similar way to his brother James, says that what Abraham was known for was his faith and his works. That they were Hand in glove. They went together. It wasn't faith or works. It was faith and works working together. And both of those things, why did he have faith? Why did he have works? Because what God told him to do. Because in his heart, he trusted God. And he trusted God's word. Now, in this conversation with the the Pharisees, he, with the Jews, he is not, um, they're not believing him. He's saying, I'm from God. I'm telling you what God wants me to tell you. I'm speaking his language, and you still don't believe me. And you call Abraham your father? When, when, when God told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave here and go to a place you've never been, he went. Abram, I want you to take your only son that I promised you for 25 years that you have just now had, and I want you to take him and offer him your only son whom you love. And he did it. Not because he understood it, but because he trusted God and he believed his word. They claim God as their their father, and they allude to Jesus. They say, we're not illegitimate children, which is probably a, a bit of a... A backhanded way of saying, yeah, well, we, at least we know who our father is. I'm sure there was uh, many rumors about Jesus. Uh, who is this Who is this guy? We only see his mother hanging around. Uh, there must be some scandal there. Um, but Jesus, he doesn't take the bait. He just keeps pushing on him. He says, uh, if God was truly your father, then you would love his son. Um, who is your Father? If God is your Father, we call him that. Uh, may we not do so without love and without deep understanding. But if we truly believe in God the Father, we listen to the Son, and we love the Son. First John 5 1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So the simple thing is, they, they didn't believe him. Um, and then he asked them a powerful question. This is verse um, um, verse 46. Which of you can convict me of sin? Boy, they, they threw out all sorts of accusations. They just sort of threw everything out there to see what they could find with Jesus. But they couldn't convict him of sin. They couldn't hold anything to them. And they, they tried. They're not through trying, by the way. Uh, they didn't want to hear the truth. Uh, they only wanted their truth. And that's huge. We live in that world today. People not too concerned with the truth. They're only concerned with my truth. It makes it hard to under, get to an understanding of the truth. Because if you try to speak, study, preach, teach... What's true, the response of, of the age is, well, that's true for you, and that's fine, but this is what's true for me. And, and even if they're both equally opposite positions, they can both still be true, is what our modern age says. That's the most untrue thing that's ever been spoken And we've got to seek what's true and what's right. And if these two ideas are different, you can't say, well, that's true for you and true for me. That's fine. No, that's not how it works with truth, at least the truth that sets you free. That sounds like the truth that's from our enemy. They weren't truly of God because they couldn't hear God and they didn't know his language. Okay, verses forty-eight through fifty-nine. I think we'll finish there. The Jews answered him, "Aren't we right in saying that you are Samaritan and demon possessed?" Which, which is sort of like saying, "Don't you still beat your wife?" You know. <laughs> "I am not possessed by a demon," said Jesus. "But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is the one who seeks it, and he is the judge." I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. And yet you say, if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Well, at least they're, they're catching on. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did our prophets. What? Who do you think you are? Jesus provided, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. And if I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not 50 years old yet, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So they resort basically to uh, what you always do uh, when you don't have a good argument, and that is you call them names. Uh, you Samaritan, how dare you question our heritage? You demon-possessed man, you know, who do you think you are? Uh, they, they double down on it. They say, Abraham died, the prophets died, so who exactly are you? And Jesus just comes right back and he says, listen, I tell you the truth, whoever obeys, obeys my word will never see death. He trusted the Father and he kept his word, just like Abraham, and in doing, and in so doing, he lived. Um, We'll get to this eventually, but John will say in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, though they die. Jesus' heritage would live on, uh, just as Abraham's did when he obeyed. Not just the physical heritage, but the, the spiritual legacy which he left. Here's what the Hebrew writer said concerning this. He said, So from one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were living by faith when they died. And they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them at a distance. I think that's so beautiful um, to think about how they perceived Christ. It wasn't just as... Um, they didn't get to, to see the reward immediately, right then. They didn't get to know him right then. They just believed and trusted that, that he was coming. And that he would set them free. And that he would be the truth. Um, you saw Abraham, they say. You're not even that old. And and this really sets them off. Before Abraham was, I am. He declared himself to be Yahweh. The God of the Old Testament. Uh, Leviticus twenty four sixteen 16 uh, says this. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death that 's why they picked up the stones because they didn 't believe him okay, and which brings us to this point about truth you know this was, you know this was the point where Jesus I am the Son of God, and in today 's world they say well that 's your truth that 's fine. At least the Jews back then were understood were wise enough to understand that that was either true or it was blasphemy now they they chose incorrectly they picked up the stones and said it 's blasphemy but they understood that only one of those two things could be true either he was he was lord or he was a liar the name of the eternally existent god i am god said to moses in exodus 3:14 i am who i am this is what you are to say to the israelites i am has sent me to you and he's going all the way back to their history and they would have known this verse if they had only believed it which reminds us again that it's not just hearing truth, it's not just being exposed to truth. At some point you have to make the choice to believe it and to trust it, which is what Abraham did, by the way. They keep pointing back to Abraham, and um, they didn't do what he did. Jesus will introduce himself, by the way, and we're going through John. We've been through a couple of these already. Some will say this is the third one, the third introduction before Abraham was I am. But it's all these I am statements where Jesus is not just saying that just to be, not just using that coincidentally. He's using that phrase to remind them that I am who I am. That God the Father is manifest in Jesus the Son. So, the Son frees us, the Son speaks the truth, the Son is I am. May we not forget, oh, may we not forget that he is, I am. And that someday every knee will bow before the great I am. Jesus still frees men today. Romans 8 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. Because he set us free in a way where we were powerless to set, our, set ourselves free. He, the Son, who speaks the truth, is the only one who can set us free. He still speaks the truth, by the way. And it's still up to us whether or not we're going to choose to hear it. And more importantly, obey it. My question to you tonight is, do you know the great I am? A better question, maybe, is not just do you know the great I am, but does he know you? I want to invite you tonight, if you do not know the Great I Am, the opportunity, the invitation is yours. And I would like to meet you down front and introduce you to him if you do not yet know him. Or if you know him and you've sort of forgotten, you've allowed yourself to wander back into slavery, uh, I hope that you will uh, come and let us pray with you and for you. If you need to repent in any way, we're glad to help you. Whatever your need might be, please come as together we stand and sing.